welcome back to the Dr. Body Mind Soul podcast. My name is Dr. Jude, and this is a podcast which explores how we can integrate modern medicine and alternative therapies to help you get the holistic health care that you deserve. I will be speaking to healers and seekers, researchers and authors who will share their experiences and the evidence to help guide us all to holistic health. Let's do this. Melissa Sanger is a womb witch, guiding women to the power of their menstrual cycle and sexual energy. She came to this work having had no period in three years, which took her on a life-changing journey around Latin America, where she worked with plant medicines and shamans to bring her fertility and femininity back to her. She now works with women all over the world to help them connect to their wombs and the wisdom it holds by weaving womb massage, ritual and coaching to empower them to have incredible sex, relationships with their partners and most importantly, themselves. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you. I am so fascinated by the womb wisdom that you talk about. And I think a way into this conversation in a way that a lot of women now have an understanding of, at least superficially, is this term cyclical living. And I guess I have a familiarity that there is, you know, uh, four phases to our menstrual cycle, but I'm really intrigued to learn how you apply it practically, because that's the step that I haven't been able to take the sort of learning principles to um, to that step further about about applying it to my real life. So I'd love to learn how how you've done it, and maybe give us a recap into what the four phases are and which um, what kind of energy each phase holds for us. Hmm. Yeah. So. I think the most important thing to start with is that um, that the cyclical living will look different for every person. So I feel like when I teach in my online school, I teach that like this is these are the archetypes, this is the kind of vibe, this is the energy, and then I invite you to find your own flavor with it. So in that way, the way that someone experiences ovulation is going to be different for every person. And I think the beauty of the feminine that I try and invite people into is like the uniqueness and that every day is different and every cycle is different. And for sure, like like nature, we have the, the seasons, we have the summer, but no summer is the same. And no winter is the same. Sometimes there's snow, sometimes there's not, sometimes it's cold, sometimes it's not that cold. But like there's a general energy of winter that we can all relate to. But I think it's important to start with sharing that like I'm not share I'm not prescribing a prescription of like this is how you should be cyclical and this is how every womb keeper woman experiences a cycle because it's unique. And I think that's really where the menstrual cycle mastery comes in because once you receive this wisdom as a transmission, as information, then you take that as research for your own cycle. So then every cycle you begin to uh, observe like, oh, how is this archetype? How is my inner spring feeling this cycle? And how does my inner summer feel, my ovulation feel? And then you start to kind of, that's where the the self-intimacy and the self-discovery comes where you get to really know yourself. And when I when I teach more in depth about the menstrual cycle, I notice that, um, yeah, that uniqueness is really strong. For example, um, I really like to rest and go deep, deep, deep into my own space and, and not talk on my moon time. Um, and just be within myself and very little physical energy. But I have a client who loves to teach in her moon time. You know, like that everybody, and for me, that would be the worst thing that I would want to do. Like, it's like the day that I really don't want to talk. But she feels so connected to her magic and so connected to her 
intuition and and that's something that feels right for her so as I share this blueprint I also want you to to feel like more curious about your own cycle so it's like a an attunement to your own cycle that you can feel who you are as a cyclical person woman um but having said that I do think sharing the the general idea is is helpful or a starting point so um we have inner spring which is which is the first well it's often easier for people to start with menstruation so following menstruation you have inner spring which is about seven days it's about a week but it depends on your cycle um because again every cycle is different lengths and different um time frames so it's about a week and in the spring is literally just like spring. It's the time when your energy is slowly, slowly, slowly rising. So I take my wisdom from this in the best way that I can from nature in that I think the most important thing to share with this phase is the slowness in which you blossom. So that comes into the cyclical living. So what can be really common is I finish my period. Okay, let's go. I'm going to do my to-do list. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And then quite often you burn out very quickly or you feel kind of depleted in your ovulation. So it's that like slow incline up, up the mountain at a steady level. And within this uh, season phase, um, I can, it's quite, obviously it's a circle, so I'm, I can come back to this, but the main aspect of moon time is to rest and to, um, to rest your physical body, but your intuitive mind is quite active. So in that phase, it's, it's a beautiful opportunity to receive insights and to receive downloads and to receive alignment and ideas for your next coming cycle, your future cycle. So I'll come back to that, but Having said that, you've received maybe one insight or a few insights, but I recommend to just take in terms of like a business or in terms of creative uh, creative pursuits to take one strong idea. And then in the, in the spring, you're working slowly on beginning to execute that. So planning, uh, beginning structure, kind of like, doing the to-do list things, but that's kind of, as I said, slow. So not immediately, but adding little bits in. Doing things like graphics, doing things like Canva work, like graphic work, like doing the creating and the, um, and the planning and the strategy with the idea that in your ovulation is when you can birth something, is when your body is most primed to be in the radiance or the exhibition of something and sometimes you can't do all the things you need to do in in one week so maybe you take it through two cycles but the idea is that say it was one cycle that you take it up into your ovulation and in your ovulation is the best time for you or in general for your body and your brain and your hormones are primed to communicate to uh, socialize to be with other people you have the most physical energy and the science shows that during your inner inner spring as your as your estrogen levels are rising your communication centers in your brain are more active and estrogen in general is quite a social hormone it, it creates the identity of feeling like you want to connect you want to communicate and you want to socialize and on a biological level that's literally because our body is like prepared to mate it's looking to mate it's like a very primal instinct but we can use that in a modern way in that using that like dynamic energy to plan and then to go out and speak or do a podcast or launch an event or have the amazing party that you are planning or these kind of like big social events. And yeah, it's supported in our brain with the communication, with these parts of our brain being more um, active. 
But then also physically we have, I mean, estrogen and testosterone rising, which gives us a lot of physical energy. So it's a really great time for you to kind of be in that, you know, doing, doing mode. It's the most yang aspect of our cycle. And some people, when they hear this, might feel like, oh, but mine, I don't feel yang or I don't feel this. So really, if our hormones are balanced and healthy, you should feel yang in this time. What can happen, as I already mentioned, if people don't rest during moon time or they rush their inner spring, then they won't feel yang in this time. And yang is another, well, I feel like most people know what yang is, but uh, if you don't, then it's like the more kind of active, the more proactive, the dynamic, the in some ways you can say the more masculine energy. It's like the doing energy. And then, and it's like putting energy out. And then yin is the opposite, which is like receptive and uh, more the depth and the quiet and the, in some ways you can say the feminine. But I feel like we have parts of all or both of them in different moments, especially in our cycle. So the most yin would be menstruation and the most yang would be ovulation. And what a lot of people don't know, and I didn't know, is that, um, yeah, before I knew any of this stuff, I just thought that I had a menstruation. I thought it just like rocked up. I didn't really have an awareness of like any part of my cycle. I discovered and understood that ovulation is the main event of your menstrual cycle and that you wouldn't menstruate without ovulation. So we often think menstruation is the main event, but it wouldn't occur without ovulation. So ovulation is the main event. And ovulation is super important for our health, for our longevity, for our bones, for our like all the functions of our body, the hormones that are needed to create ovulation or to create the event of ovulation are so, so important for a whole long-term health. And so having a healthy ovulation is integral for our long-term health regularly. What struck me was also not only is like ovulation really um, good for our health, but it's a sign of good health inversely. Yeah. You know, um, when we when our bodies are ovulating regularly, it is a byproduct of us being in good physical health. So we're only going to ovulate when we are our body feels confident about its ability to procreate and create life. And there's only going to be enough spare energy for that if we are abundant in 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 energy so i think there's that there's that there's a lovely relationship to both ovulation being good for us but also it being a reflection on our overall on our overall state of health as well as we speak today i felt particularly depleted and i know because i do track my own cycle that i'm around ovulation and so i wasn't expecting expecting to feel so depleted but having had mm. this conversation already um and hearing how I guess you know I would you know if I was living in tune with my cycle more I guess the last week <laughs> would have been a little bit calmer and it certainly wasn't I definitely have been burning all of the candles and so I guess it's no surprise that I find myself totally and utterly depleted um, around ovulation. So I don't really, I don't get this right. And I would love to know how you apply what you know um, mm. to, to harness the energy and your natural energy. Sure. When you have it. Yeah, for sure. I feel like um, I want to start by saying that it's definitely not perfect. And I do also burn my candle low often. Not always, but sometimes it happens. Um, and I feel yeah, I think it for me it's important to me to be aware 
that I am not living in a masculine hormone body. And in that case, understanding that the world is structured and we are conditioned in a masculine hormone world where we show up every day, we work the same every day, we work five days a week or whatever. We do to-do lists every day. We do the things every day. Um, and for me, it's been such a deep, and I, I feel like I've got such a long way to go, but I, it's been such a deep and relearning of rest. And I find that so challenging. And still, I notice if I don't create rest, life creates rest for me through illness, through circumstances, through like shock traumas, through things that just cause me to just stop. And I understand that it's like, impeccable discipline to create time for rest and so that means like not being on Instagram and like it's not resting for me if I sit if I'm on my moon and I'm just like on my phone even if I'm physically not doing anything like activating my mind by or filling my mind with so much sound and noise by being on Instagram by being on whatever platform by scrolling and it is addictive. So I feel like it's such a hard fight. Like the way that the world has been set up is not to support this. And I think the number one empowering thing that I like to do, obviously this is my work. So I'm just like emanating as a beacon of this. And in my integrity of that, the people around me know where I am in my cycle. So my partner knows where I am all the time. I've explained to him all about the cycle he knows how to support me in each phase. He knows like what kind of energy levels I have in my menstruation. He tries to support me the best with my dog, with food, with like physical things. Um, in, a, in my luteal phase, he gives me more space so that I can take care of myself. And I work with my own. A lot of my work is like working with emotional alchemy. So I take space in my premenstrual time and I like move through my emotions with self-responsibility. So I feel like, and then sometimes it's not perfect. For example, now I'm, I'm back with my parents for a little bit in, in England and my mom's gone through menopause and she, she understands the cycle through me, but she never lived cyclical living when she was actually bleeding. And even a couple of times in my bleed, she'll be like, I'll be like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm bleeding. Or, no, I don't want to clean up. It's not my moment to tidy up. Or, I don't want to cook. And I say it with love. And even sometimes I notice her kind of feeling like the sense of like, oh, but you're, you're not contributing or you're, not, you're being lazy or whatever. And I will, in the best way that I can, communicate, this is not my moment to do those things. In other moments of my cycle, I will clean, I will cook, I'll do the things. But right now I can't, it's a full body no. And like really, really uh, unapologetically honoring that. And of course, with that level of self-respect, she eventually respects me too. And, and understands, it's a slow kind of understanding process from the people around us. But I think the more you embody what you really need then the easier it gets for other people if you keep changing and like being like no but I do need this but actually no it's fine I'll do the cooking I'll do the cleaning and then you push yourself and that's not clear communication so I feel like there's that's a whole topic in itself how to share that with the people around you and then yeah I think it really comes to the ways in which you rest in your most yin times and then how I structure my life. Yeah, I think, yeah, it, it is challenging because as I said, most people work every day and most people work and they're constantly doing and creating. And it's taking a breath and retracting yourself from what everyone else is doing and just being in your own cyclical rhythm. So, I know that it's not sustainable for me to do 
to work every single day in my inner spring because I know that it will make me depleted. And so it's like how I plan my month with the awareness of my of my sexual creative energy. And that's why I say to only take one thing through your cycle because I don't think we actually really have the sexual creative energy, the hormone energy to create multiple things a cycle sustainably. So yeah, in the ovulation time, as we kind of got halfway, so in the ovulation time, also physically, it's a great time to do physical exercise, to do more cardio, but also from my understanding and my perspective and the science behind this is that um, we're not made to work out throughout our whole cycle. So I'm not a super, like I don't exercise that much in this moment of my life, but I have in other moments. But I would highly not recommend to do any kind of physical exercise in your inner winter, in your moon time. Like that is the time for complete rest. And then as you get closer to your ovulation, you can bring in more cardio, you can bring in more movement, you can bring in more like dynamic body stuff. And then we move into inner autumn. And this is the time of, um, so you've blossomed this big thing. And in nature, you then see how that beautiful, radiant offering of nature becomes to like, starts to um, fall away. It starts to become the autumn. The leaves start to fall and they enter the earth and they start to go into the compost for the next cycle. So in, in a business life perspective, this is the time, really I teach inner autumn in two phases. So you have the first half of your inner autumn, which the whole inner autumn is about 10 days to two weeks. And the first half of the inner autumn is like a bit more fiery. You still have like a lot of like Kali, fire, like rah kind of energy. Like I can do things and I can clean and I can, it's kind of like a, fire, a little fire explosion if your hormones are healthy. And then the second half of your premenstrual, your luteal, is like you start to enter your cave. Like you're, you get a little bit more sensitive, you start to get physically less energy and you start to prepare yourself to enter your cave. So um, in the best ways that I can, I will finish all the things that I need to do for my cycle, um, for my month, for my menstrual cycle. Uh, in that first fiery part of inner autumn. And the really important thing for me is as a as an independent business owner, as the director of my business, to actually outsource. So for me, I think it's also impossible to be a one-led woman business. Like that feels exhausting. So to outsource, if I have, like not to push my energy to the limit in that fiery in autumn phase, but like outsource to other people, to an assistant, even if it's like a couple of hours of, of paid work, like to complete whatever it needs to be. And then that prepares for the second half of in autumn in which we can start to nest and start to clear the space, like to start to put the to-do lists away, to start to enter our own cocoon. Um, I don't work during that part of my phase. Like the whole, like the very, very end of my premenstrual luteal phase up until maybe day five. So it depends on what's happening in my life. But around one week, I take off of like client work and showing up in the world. Um, maybe I do a few little things behind the scenes on my laptop or something. But like in terms of like physically sharing my energy and like, showing up for clients and and creating things with an outward energy I clear my schedule of that I don't do any client work during my moon time that's like a hard no for me and um and yeah this this idea also just before I go into my moon time I try and do all the things that I can get done like if I need to clean my sheets or change my bed sheets I'll do that before my moon if I need to tidy something, I'll do that before my moon. If I need to prep some food, I'll do it before my moon. 
if I need like anything physical that I need to do, I'll get it, try and get it done before I enter my moon so that when I'm in my moon time, I can just relax. It can be still, I can be in bed, I can be in my moon cave, I can listen to my intuition, I can create space. So kind of the idea of, of that last luteal phase in autumn phase is to create as much space as I can so that I can just surrender into the wisdom of my moon time. Well, I'm hearing a lot of um, discipline and planning needs to go in, in place, but I'm also really hearing this sort of natural um, framework that can really help you be productive. But if you do sort of, if you, if you do manage to give yourself the time and space to relax fully in your moon time, then you're going to get um, the creative sparks that you can work with. I guess if you don't give yourself that time, you're not going to connect with your intuition. You're not going to get the value of, from that time. Um, yeah. Which then you can sort of slowly plant the seeds for, sort of drop your plan, drop a strategy in your inner spring, go and share that with the world um, in your in your summertime and then wrap things up, outsource what's left, tie it together um, in your autumn so that, again, you can really go into feeling supported and able to actually fully relax. Yeah, that was a, that was a really beautiful little summary. <laughs> and um, I think sometimes people might, if it's so new for them, they might feel like, but how do I drop in during my moon time? Like, what does that even look like practically? And um, I have... I think I have a, I have an amazing podcast called Reverent Menstruation on my podcast. It's called Fundamental Feminine Wisdom. And I share in that how to create a moon cave, like what tools you need, what it looks like. Um, it might just be like something simple as like maybe drawing a few oracle cards or journaling, like what am I letting go of this month? And then what am I stepping into th this next cycle? Like it's just, just this mini space of reflection and yeah, like really tuning in that every month it's like a pulse within your feminine body in which you like let everything fall away and we really enter like a spiritual mini death and then we enter a rebirth. Every single cycle we get the opportunity to rebirth a new version of ourselves with new wisdom, with new aspects of ourselves. Also, I have a lot of amazing womb meditations so that when you're bleeding, you can tune into your womb and like connect to your blood and receive wisdom of like what you're letting go and what you're stepping into. And then, yeah, work with my guidance to release and let go and like really tune into your body wisdom. So the most, uh, for me, the most important piece with that is like the meditation practices that I use in those pockets of my moon cave. Um, and yeah, the way that I tune into the wisdom is through, yeah, meditating with my body, with my womb, with my breath and asking my body, my womb, life, the universe, like the insights and opening myself to receive the insights that I need for this bleed, for this next cycle. It's very intentional, like using, yeah. using, using this, using this space very intentionally and in doing so, and also having a structure around how to manage that um, idea inch by inch brings you closer every month to creating and bringing something forth in the world that we can very often stampede over if we just continue to go 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 yeah that creates a lot of disease if we just go 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 it 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 does it, it does and depletion which I have to admit I'm experiencing right now. Um, yeah. 
I think a lot of women do. Mm. I think a lot of women, especially people that use Instagram and TikTok or whatever else, like as that business outlet, the app is set up as like a in a solar rhythm, in a masculine rhythm of like every day, all the time. And it's hard. And I'm thinking about my colleagues, you know, people who um even if they're not self-employed, they're they're expected to show up every every day for work. And it's not going to be possible for everyone to totally clear their schedule for a week um every month. But I guess how you can apply that to your own circumstances would be as examples to clear your social um to, your social calendar um yeah. uh, during that time so that when you do have time off you are able to have more rest time built into your month and um, intentionally clearing some time to actually rest rather than go out go out and meet a friend for a drink um or yeah, or, sure. or or you be the you be the one to stay home while your partner might take your kid to the party that's actually yeah. you know there's things that you can actually do just to clear some time that you that you can create for yourself and prioritize yeah. you in those moments because those are the times that you need you so that you can then have the energy to go out in the world which is possible for three out of the four weeks so there are ways that we can um tweak this framework um to to help ourselves bring in a bit more femininity in, into what is a very masculine um world yeah and I think with that it's it's like I don't I mean I've gone through phases of frustration and anger and all those things about the masculine world but now I don't feel that I just feel like my like I am responsible for myself and that's it. So it's like, I can take myself out in the best ways that I can of that framework and create a framework that is honoring my body and true to me and, and actually resources me and revitalizes me and is the truth of my hormones. So I feel like education from a compassionate heart with the people around us like the communication in which we share this with people around us is so important and how we communicate do we communicate with love or like you're not supporting me and whatever like anger or is it with love and like requests and like speaking communicating with the people around us like from a soft place from a loving place I think is is also key and that takes a lot of inner work Clarity, mm. self-responsibility, self-respect, self-worth, um, boundaries, learn how to communicate those boundaries. There's so many elements to that that we have often not been taught as women yeah. um, to do. And when you talk and say how you've communicated your um, needs to your family, uh, in, you know, my body clenched when I heard that because I just realized how hard I would find that that you know I would find that really really challenging because the conditioning has been very deep and I judge myself for feeling tired I get very frustrated at myself for feeling tired and needing rest so I think you know there's a lot that we trample over and it's to our own depth detriment that we do but learning the mm. skills um to fully embody who we are as cyclical beings and make space for rest and allowing it these are skills that I feel really quite inspired to take mm. into yeah. my life moving forward yeah and something I'm exploring now which has like come more into my awareness now is like like what it means for me to rest and what that really looks like. And I think in some ways I would rest, but still have something, one part of me attached to like listening or learning or like something, something. And now I'm trying to like listening to music or 
like filling, always filling. And now I'm trying to practice like going on a walk in complete silence or having my morning meditation in complete silence. Like where do I create spaces for like, for me now rest is for sure having long naps and like resting my physical body. But it's also like creating pockets of silence where I can listen and not have internal input to my brain that I can just like be with myself and nature and and um, rest my brain as well. Yeah, what is rest? As you mentioned, like so often we can confuse rest with scrolling, watching, <laughs> yeah. watching television, listening yeah. to a podcast, learning, reading. Um, yeah. I, I'm so guilty of that. So mm. guilty of that. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a training, but I'm kind of increasingly curious about I guess experimenting with what would it feel like to allow total rest what would it feel like to allow periods of silence what 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 could what could that feel like so that's um yeah I'm getting inspired yeah like resting your brain and your body Mm, resting your brain and your body yeah 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 and that I guess it's in those periods of rest that your spirit can start to be heard um yeah they start to you can really tune into your intuition because there's a space within all the noise that you can actually start to build that build a relationship with with that part of yourself that's so quiet and we can miss totally if we if Mm -hmm. we bombard ourselves with the with the noise and distraction that we so often do You mentioned um, that you, you sort of use these terms interchangeably um, earlier on in this conversation around creative energy and sexual energy and these being at their peak at around ovulation. And I'm just curious at what the link is there, creative energy, sexual energy, and... The work you do now, I suppose, in really allowing women to harness that sexual energy. And I'd love you to share with us what you've learned on this new path that you're carving for yourself that really focuses on on liberating that sexual energy, using it, harnessing it. Tell me more. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, so as I kind of mentioned to you off call that my work really started with the menstrual cycle reclamation and also because my own journey was losing my period. I I have and can support many women with getting their period back, with getting their fertility back. Um, and, And then another side of my journey came through and blossomed over the last four or five years has been my sexual awakening. And that started through grace, really, because um, my first, first way into this work was actually in Ecuador. In um, I think I've talked about this with you before. But in Ecuador, I did a tantra yoga teacher training. And the tantra yoga I was doing was, was not anything sexual, actually, like the yogic practices. And... Yeah, I felt like when I did that training, we did, we touched a little bit on the sexuality and I, and I talk about this beautiful couple all the time that they were a beautiful couple and they were in a, they, I don't know if they said this, but it was like, they were in a tantric relationship, exploring tantric sexuality. They were on the yoga training together and they just really opened up my world around so many things like that men can have orgasms without ejaculation, that um, you can have synchronized orgasm about tantric sex, about like other states of consciousness through sex. Um, And yeah, I just sat with them for hours talking and asking questions and receiving and like infusing and all of this. And to be honest, I didn't really understand everything that they were saying, but it was just like, yes, tell me more. 
like, yes, I want to know that, like, that is where I want to go. And from my own perspective, I had a very sort of complicated relationship with my sexuality and a lot of trauma in my teenage years with sexuality. And my, yeah, just before that training, I, a few years before that, I'd broken up with my last partner, boyfriend, really. Um, and, and in that relationship, um, my sexuality just dwindled. Like I lost, I was actually on the Marina coil during then that time and things like, um, what's it called? Things like depression medication, anxiety medication, the pill, the Marina coil, they all deplete mostly your sex drive. But I didn't know that at the time. And then also our connection sexually was just so like, he had a very strong porn addiction and he was often treating my body in that way and treating me like almost like a porn star in many ways. And it really, really traumatized me. And I remember I walked away from that and I was like, I know there's more to sex than this. Like, this is not what I want. And I decided in that moment, I'm going to be celibate and work on my own sexual energy. So in Tantra, there's there's another form of celibacy called brahmacharya, which is where you work, you don't really connect with other people, but you work with your own sexual energy, like the yoni egg with sublimation, so learning how to move sexual energy up and through your body. Um, and started to connect with my own pleasure, but not sharing it with anyone else. And yeah, I was kind of just led on this journey of ended up being three years and three months of actually being just intimate with myself and I never planned that it was hard it was challenging it was like so deep and within that journey I devoted myself to my unprecedented sexual awakening and realized that the block to my own pleasure was um, so many traumas that happened in my childhood. And so I started this process of reclaiming my body after an eating disorder, after trauma and all of these things, reclaiming my sense, my body, my pleasure. And through many different practices and initiations and devotion, I awoke within me someone who is completely different to the woman or the girl really who thought she was asexual like someone who can experience full body multiple orgasms now who can experience cervical orgasms can experience them with myself or with another person who can i can now access like beautiful deep states of like um altered consciousness through sexuality and deep intimacy with someone else so that I can be connected to my own sexuality and, and pleasure. And so that's kind of the journey that I went on. And it completely changed my life in every aspect because when you awaken this, this aspect of yourself where you heal and integrate these parts of yourself, I felt and I've seen in all the women that I've worked with that your creativity like expands and skyrockets, that your confidence changes and expands your like the way that you are embodied and connected to your body transforms the way that you make love in like a more conscious and connected and like deeply intimate way is like no longer scary. It's actually beautiful and full of um, magical, magical moments. And I felt that, just through my embodiment of who I became and my love of teaching other people how to connect to their own pleasure, it kind of just snowballed. And then I ended up being where I am today. And I just finished my signature retreat, which is in England. It's a six night sexual awakening initiation called Awaken to Pleasure. And it's really one of my most, most, popular retreats it's almost always fully booked so I can see that there's a desire for women to connect to their pleasure 
and heal numbness. And really my prayer is that all women, or as many women as I can possibly impact, can understand that this is possible for everyone. That every woman has access to everything that I just shared, everything that I just transformed in the last years, that every woman has access to that. And again, it comes down to self-responsibility of like, about choosing that for yourself. Yeah. Let me share with you uh, my one of my favorite words, which is skited. So that's half scared and half excited. This is I would be very I would be very I would be skited skited yeah. to to come on a six night retreat, um, awaken to your pleasure. So what can you just run through? a few of the practices that you bring to a group of women, which allows them to be on a path to um, have multiple cervical um, orgasms and whole body orgasms. Mm -hmm. what, what, What would a retreat like that look like? Yeah, it's like a full time initiation. So it's really like, we do yoga from eight until nine. So that's like, that's a different experience. But then we have breakfast and then from 10 and we have lunch and dinner in between, but from 10 until 10 at night, you're in full initiation practice. So we have 10 until one morning session and then we have lunch. And then from 2.30 until 6.30, you have afternoon initiation practice. And then the evening is a temple ritual from eight to 10. And this is how I have been taught. And I really resonate with this, that these are ancient, really powerful teachings that require initiation. So it's like the all, it's like an immersion, but it's like, I think in that aspect of it, and that is really like most of my offerings, immersions are like this, because it's an initiatory aspect in which you are just completely in the experience and you move so much energy and you're with another group of women that's all devoted to the same thing, all devoted to awakening to their pleasure. So you feel like supported and activated and like it brings so much when you do it with a group of other women. We work with the yoni egg to help resensitize uh, the muscles of the vagina and resensitize the orgasm um, zones. With the yoni egg, I teach how to create a full body orgasm. That takes a bit of practice, but I teach a practice with the yoni egg with that. Um, The yoni egg is like the crystal jade egg that comes from Taoism, or there are other yoni eggs in other cultures. Like they use obsidian egg in in Mexico a lot. Um, We do different massage practices in partners. and yes, we do a beautiful group yoni blessing. So we do like a puja, which is an ancient tantric ritual where you um, we do it like a whole ritual space, but you have a partner and you actually show each other your yonis and you bless them. And we do like a whole beautiful ritual blessing of, of showing each other your vulvas. And this is one of the strongest ways to heal shame. And that is so, so, so healing. So yes, we work a lot with like, at the beginning, it's more clearing the energy. So a lot of trauma release and cathartic release and like kind of clearing, emptying out the body. We work a lot with healing shame. And then in the middle, we start to bring in the sexual energy. So once we've kind of cleared the vessel, then we start to bring in and empower different ways to circulate sexual energy in the body. And then at the end is kind of like the celebration. And the last two, two and a half, three days are like just being in ecstasy. A lot of ecstatic practices, a lot of breath work, a lot of um, orgasm awakening work. So it's kind of like you have to enter the underworld in order to come up and like rebirth. And the last days are a lot of um, a lot of ecstasy and, and expansion. And a lot of dancing. We do a lot of dancing as well. 
I teach a beautiful lap dance workshop of how to give a sacred lap dance. Um, we do a lot of, yeah, learning how to, to be confident in your dance and how to like really be in your sexual, sensual energy. Um, not for validation of someone else, but for yourself, like really feeling that within yourself, like wholeness as you do your lap dance and feeling like wholeness within yourself as you learn how to connect to the erotic dance within yourself. So yeah, I feel like I could probably talk and talk and talk and talk about this offering. There's so much that I offer in this. Um, and it's so beautiful to see how when the women arrive, how they leave, like they're glowing and radiant and expanded and so much more comfortable in themselves. And you can see that they're like, there's less, less self-consciousness. Um, there's more, yeah, there's just so much more magic within each woman that they've kind of reclaimed a part of themselves that has been conditioned or censored out of so many women for all of our lives, really. So it's so, so liberating to, to do this work because then you're like, oh, but this has been there all along and I've just never connected fully. I feel like also, I think my final point would on those things that I'd love to share before we close um, is that, I guess there's too many parts to it, but the first part is just that for me, in my experience, I feel that I've come so much further doing these practices in the safety of my sisterhood. Like learning how to lap dance in an empowered way took a lot of fumbles and silly moments. And I personally feel more comfortable doing that in, a, in the safety of a group of women. And I work a lot on creating safety together and connection through safety so that I feel like I can practice with my sisters and I can try and I can explore and I can learn how to be confident in myself again through all the different practices that I learned. And then through that immersive, initiatory, safe sisterhood space, then I can translate that into life. But really it's like a, yeah, a safe haven in which you can explore parts of yourself and, and it's okay if it's messy and a bit weird and like strange or whatever it is, or, you know, to just explore and have a space to do that because to be honest, it is harder to suddenly try all these things with your partner. Um, but it's kind of like a playground of exploration. And within that, we have a lot of fun. We laugh a lot. We are silly. We make games. Like there's a lot of playfulness in it. It's not really that serious, to be honest. I think I probably didn't translate that like at the beginning or share that at the beginning. But my essence of sharing is fun. And that like this healing gets to be fun and playful and that we get to laugh a lot in the right moments and in the right moments also be a little bit serious and cry and all of those things. Um, yeah, to bring the playfulness back into this work. And then, so I feel like in modern day life, we take some things that are sacred and the rest of them are sin. But it's like in Tantra, every aspect of humanity is sacred and an opportunity to connect to God, to life. And um, I find that so beautiful because within the healing of the shame, and like you said, the context, your parents, your culture, your, your friends, your first partner, first lovers, like they will influence us and create these patterns that end up sculpting the rest of our life. But within the the work that I share and within the work of Tao Tantra is like you're taking away what's not yours and it's just returning you to your, your wholeness. So it, I say just, it is returning you to your wholeness. I find that so beautiful because it's like you're taking away the shame that belonged to Catholicism. You're taking the shame that belonged to your parents. You're taking away the shame that belonged to your girlfriend when you were 14 and whatever else. And it's like you shared all of these outer layers and then you return to more of yourself and more of your authenticity and more of your wholeness. And for me, that's the, the, the ultimate 
healing is like there's nowhere you need to get it's just like what you can take away that's not yours to be happy to be happy and ultimately healthy as you experience mm-hmm. the full aspect of 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 your life of which your sexuality should be one of um the most celebrated um so thank you so much for bringing this work to the world and to helping so many women on this on this journey and bringing us back to the sisterhood spaces that we have anciently been connected to and somehow lost along the way so thank you so much where can people find out about these wonderful um Mm -hmm. immersion experiences that you put on yeah so my website is melissasanger.com my name um i have my offerings on there you can join my mailing list that's a beautiful way to stay connected with me i don't write on it very often but when I have an event or I'm, I'm creating, offering something or maybe a little musing, but like a few emails a month maximum, sometimes just one. Um, I say that because I don't know where the life of Instagram is going. So I'd actually prefer to direct people to my mailing list because for me, that's like a bit more of a secure commitment to stay connected with me. Um, but yes, I am on Instagram. It's my name as well. It's I am. Melissa Sanger. I have a blue tick now, which is awesome. So it's really easy to find me. I am Melissa Sanger. Um, And yes, I post about the retreats and online work and courses and programs on on all of those platforms. But I actually feel like in this next chapter, I really would love people to connect to my mailing list because um, yeah, I don't know where the future of Instagram is going and how stable it is for people who offer work like me. Um, There's a lot of censorship. There's a lot of accounts being taken down and all of these things. That's a whole other podcast. Mm. So, um, yeah. And then what else did I want to share? So I actually live in Mexico and I, I visit England like maybe once a year or once every two years. I visit usually in the summer and offer a retreat and see my family and all of those things. So um, next year, there won't be an Awaken to Pleasure. I'm going to take one year break with that, but there'll be one probably the year after in 2025. That sounds weird, but yeah. And then next year... Um, I'm going to take a little rest during the year for in-person offerings, but at the end of the year, I have a wound healer training, um, where I'm training work to do, I'm training people to do the work that I offer. So that's all about wound healing and sexual healing, wound massage, yoni massage, body work. Um, and it's really intimate. It's just 10 people. So that's happening in Mexico in November next year, this year. This year and next year. <laughs> I think I've been on the I've been talking on the podcast too long now. My brain is starting to be like blah, blah, blah. um so the end of this year and it will be the end of next year. And those will be my in-person offerings for the next um the next one or two years. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, I love that you've planned and planned that far in advance. And also yeah. just a real demonstration in in um putting rest in and structuring your business around um, yourself rather than the other way around. So I always look to you to do that. You have, you hold boundaries um, in a really inspiring way. And um, Mm. I certainly want to learn to, to learn um, to do that better in my own life. So thank you for showing up in the way that you do. Um, It has a ripple effect wherever you go. So thank you so much. Mm. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening, Body Mind Soul Seekers. If you want to connect with trusted alternative therapists, learn more about what they do and how they can help you, check out my new holistic healthcare platform, The Witchy Women. Or if you are a holistic healer that wants to serve and help more people, book in a discovery call with me. Find more details at thewitchywomen.com. To show your support for this podcast, please share it with a friend or leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does make a difference. Thank you all so much. Until next time.